0: Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow.
1: Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey hey, everybody, welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your Chief Lounge Lizard, and today we are going to be talking about independent games. We know them, we love them, and lately they have really, really started to impress us. So the interesting thing about the indie game market is that, I mean, just, just. I mean they've always been there and they've always been good and of course we at gameindustry.com have have we we love the indie gamers and the indie game developers. We like to say that the i GIN stands for independent since we are an independent news organization. But but lately I mean they've they've really gone all out and we've started to see titles that are every bit as good as publisher back titles in the indie game market. So uh joining me in the lounge today uh is uh Billy, Billy White. Uh Billy, you get to review Probably the lion's share of these independent games through your uh, uh, review um, column that runs on Saturdays called the Time Waster, and uh, I think you have a good deal of fun with it.
2: Oh, definitely. I love indie titles mainly because you don't have the the same generic gameplay. They can really stretch out and be different because they're not a big-budgeted game, so there's really not as much risk as what there is with a, a AAA title.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, looking back over the past, uh, couple years, the, the games that have really impressed me in terms of, like, where you just, you go, wow, I, I never even, I mean, like, where you get an experience have been indie titles. I'm, I'm reminded of, for example, Limbo, which was uh, just this amazing game where you're like this little shadow boy running through and, and doing stuff in, in the, in the world. It was all black and white and it was, it was pretty amazing and i mean you you really probably aren't going to get a, almost like a noir you know uh independent film almost you know type of thing on with with the with the main publisher they they couldn't afford to spend the 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 millions of dollars it would take to to develop that game the way that a publisher would have to develop it
2: yeah exactly and i mean limbo was you know it was it was a perfect example i mean it really just it came out of nowhere word of mouth spread and everybody started playing it and I was a fan of it, I really liked it. My only disappointment with it was about halfway through the game it went from a uh, really creative puzzles to more of like push this box here, push this box here kind of thing. But it was still a really yeah. good example of an indie game.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, originally it was, it was really uh, I was amazingly creepy. I mean, because yeah. just, I mean, the way that poor kid died—you know, getting chomped up by spiders and things like that—every it was just it was so. I don't. Know, it was just it was just really cool, and it had a it had a fantastic ending though. I thought the ending was really neat. Yeah,
2: so. ambiguous endings are always kind of. I don't know. I like to have concrete evidence of what happens, and it just like <laughs> yeah. leaves you waiting, like, uh, did is he dead? Is he not? You know. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you know, no, is the boy in purgatory? What's the deal? What's the deal with the the creepy girl that he finally finds at the end? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what's going. On. Uh, but anyway, it was it was a fun example. But um, we'll talk about we'll talk about some of the indie titles that you that you've looked at. Um, and then uh, also joining us today is Shella. Shella has been a huge supporter of the indie indie game market and has written a lot of columns on that. And and Shella, are you are you seeing like uh. Uh, from what I'm seeing, it, it almost looks like, and I'll, I'll have some examples of some of the stuff we've reviewed lately that are technically indie games because these people never got publishers. But um, it seems like it almost like the, the the stigma of being an indie game developer is is off the off the table now. You c- you can be successful, and I don't think I don't think anyone's going to be making their purchase decision and say, huh, well these aren't these people aren't backed by Activision, so I'm not I'm not going to buy them now, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like um, the music industry, but like in the 80s when you were on an independent label and it made you kind of underground co uh- underground cool and you didn't have a big marketing budget and then it became a sort of uh you know the, the bands are still called indie bands even though there are no independent labels and it's getting a bit like that the the lines are being blurred a bit like what is an indie game now because you know there's people like revolution software and you know the you know, quite big names that are Indie games and going through crowdfunding and whatnot. It's, um, yeah, because you think, I used to think of indie games as being quite short, quite small, you know, and, uh, but now they're sort of getting bigger and bigger. It's, yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, well, like Billy and I were talking about Limbo, Limbo was, I would still consider Limb like Limbo, I would still consider it sort of an indie game, you know, it was it was black and mm. white. It was it was its charm wasn't its amazing graphics and soundtrack and stuff yeah. like that. All all that was good. Its charm was just sort of a unique gameplay yeah. and a unique perspective. You no, know, that's what made it. That's what made it neat. But you're right. Um, the t- two games that come to mind that we reviewed recently, one was called Crater uh, by a company called Fat Shark. Now, Fat Shark, as a the developer, they they do a lot of games. I mean, they work with some big companies. They do a lot of um, you know major games that they team up with publishers. But but Fat Shark made Crater, the role playing game, sort of on their own. Um, they didn't have they didn't have a publisher, and this was a deep It was a top-down RPG. It was a really deep Game beautiful graphics great soundtrack um, you know the characters had voices and things like that and it was it was really amazing and they put it out on on through Steam and uh, and didn't have a publisher and it was it was just a really great experience that you wouldn't expect it you know I actually went back and I was looking for some of these games to prove examples and Crater came up and I'm like oh my God well Crater didn't have a publisher so Crater is, was basically and technically an indie game I guess but but like you say Shell the, the the lines are kind of, you know, I mean, I be- I guess an indie game is a game that doesn't have a publisher, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the original... But it is, it's like the music industry, because, you know, we still have indie bands, even though, and it's because indie bands have a kind of a, a sound or an aesthetic or a kind of, you know, a, a sense of being. And it's like what indie games are becoming now. They're, they're sort of um just kind of kicking against the norm a little bit and trying more exciting uh different things. And I think it is. it's like a sort of a sense of being kind of. Like, yeah, I'm going to try this because we're indie. (laughs) You
1: sort of have to feel to be an indie game. It has to feel like an indie game. Uh, It's interesting. Uh, Another example would be uh, a game called Endless Space, uh, which uh, was reviewed by Chris Richards, uh, which um, was published again on Steam. And we can talk a little bit about what Steam's doing. I think Steam is recognizing that they're sort of the destination now for a lot of these indie games, especially on the PC side. Um, and, uh, so they have their, their project green light, but, um, but Endless Space was reviewed, uh, by us, got, um, four and a half gin gems. So, uh, so decent, decent title. And, um, and it was a space simulation and it, it kind of was fairly traditional 4X game, but again, it didn't have a publisher and, you know they really didn't need to they were able to develop it um but i think one of the things we need to talk about is and shella brought this up was the whole prospect of the crowdsourcing the crowdsourcing is i think a way that a lot of these indie games about half the press releases i get mm. these days are are games now that need need crowdsourcing so so what is the what is well let's explain what crowdsourcing is in case in case somebody out there doesn't know um shella you can you can explain it i mean it's basically a bunch of people chip in and if they get enough money they make the game right yeah that's
0: pretty that's pretty much it um you you kind of uh most people make a little video or some or some kind of uh write-up of the project they're doing and why they're doing it and what'll be cool about it and then they um, request funding and most people have a kind of perk system so that say if you um, donate ten dollars you'll get a free copy of the game if you donate two hundred dollars you get like artwork and t-shirts and you know you like the more you give the more sort of uh fat loot you get from the games people um but the key is that you have to um the the project um The person asking for the funding has to state how much their target is, and if they don't reach that target, all the funding goes back to the people who pledged the money. Because otherwise, it could be like a really, a really um, exciting way to just make money. (laughs) We only made
2: 150,000,
1: but we needed 160, (laughs) so I'm going to Vegas, baby. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for your money. yeah, you, you have to hit that goal, or it's interesting how and how somebody figured out how to make that crowdsourcing work because um it's not even like a pledge drive uh, where you know you call up um, you know your your local public television station and pledge money, but then you never actually give it to them. You, you've essentially made your donation, you give them your credit card or whatever, and, and set it up so that the money is there, but you're not actually charged for it unless that project mm-hmm. hits its goal. So um so that's an interesting way to protect sure. it from you know not from being a scam although i suppose they could just take the money and not actually go forward on the project i don't yeah. know what would happen i don't i haven't seen any examples of that happening where mm-hmm. they just where that happened, but yeah for the most part i think that's funding a lot of the indie games because that's one way that they can generate a lot of money um and i was going to bring up hidden path entertainment which is a, a company I, I like the guys over at hidden path um they created a great game called defense grid and defense grid won for one of the it won its category in the game of the year awards it's a great game it was very popular one of the best of tower defense games that i've ever played i, I loved it the graphics were beautiful the units were balanced it was clever they they had some levels where you actually had to build the towers, and that actually made the wall that the little things had to run down. So it wasn't a set path to begin with, and it was neat. But they couldn't or didn't want to get a publisher for um, for Defense Grid Two, which shocked the heck out of me because they did a uh, they had to go to crowdfunding, mm-hmm. and then it was even more shocking. They made their crowdfunding goal like very quickly, so they had like six hundred people and they raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and and so they're developing. Defense Grid 2, I mean, that that's pretty shocking to me. But, um William, does, it, does that surprise you at all that a company that is established would want to become – I mean, there are advantages to being independent besides just the feel, right? I mean, I guess they – when Defense Grid 2 comes out, they keep all the money that it makes.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's cutting out the middleman. Why would you – I mean, well, I, sh- I should say with indie games, advertising and things like that, aren't really their thing. Instead, you know, all the news about them travels word of mouth, Minecraft being a perfect example of that. Minecraft never advertised. Somebody picked it up. A few people picked it up and they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So they talked about it to other people and showed it to other people. And then suddenly here it is, you know, this huge title that's, you know, sold over, what is it? Two million copies on PC. It's on the Xbox now, you know, going crazy. You don't need the publishers anymore
1: right right that's true now billy one thing one thing about we want to say about the indie game market though is for the most part i think i mean i guess well i'll ask you billy cuz you you look at this more than most people but is it mostly centered on the i mean is it mostly centered on the pc because you're trying to get an indie game onto a console i mean it does happen but there are a lot of barriers to that because there are costs and both in Uh, programming expertise and also uh, cost to Microsoft or Sony, I guess, to to get your game onto their console.
2: I think it's much easier to develop games for the PC when it comes to indie because, I mean, you know, with the Xbox, you've actually got to, you know, look into how the Xbox works, set up, you know, configuration for the controllers, go through all that jazz to make sure it works with the Xbox. Whereas with a PC, I mean, all you have to do is, you know, throw it out and, you know 9 out of 10 computers all run the same you don't have to worry about the specifics you reach a larger audience because who doesn't have a computer nowadays and it's much easier to get a hold of those downloads you don't have to have xbox live or you know anything like that you just you need an internet connection and i mean it's not like steam has any subscription fee to it
1: Right, right. No, yeah, I definitely I don't want to talk about Steam. Um uh, now Steam is interesting. I think Steam is actually pretty brilliant. I think Steam because a lot of a lot of uh, news items that we see uh, are are people that are trying to create like these digital distribution services and that one that was that Todd has always said was vaporware It looks like it might have collapsed um the online service <laughs> and everything. And Steam's like, "You know what? We've had this for like 10 years and and it's not, you know, you don't like uh, like I've I'm playing um I'm actually reviewing Borderlands uh 2 from a Steam copy and you know I didn't get to start playing it right away so I had to wait like an hour for it to download but I pretty much had instant access to the mm-hmm. game so Steam is Steam is pretty cool that way you know if you if you want a game you can play it um but what they've noticed is that it's very easy to publish a game on Steam and so they started they they created a project called um, Steam Greenlight, which is basically modeled off of the film, the Project Greenlight that um, Matt Damon I think and does over on the film side, where people vote for the their favorite game and and then the ones that win their prize is they get published on Steam. Um, so not only did they get published on Steam, but they get, hey, these were the winners of Project Green, uh, Steam Greenlight, so everybody wants to play it. And, and so I think, I think that's a pretty amazing thing that they're doing, and kudos to Steam for figuring out that, hey, we've become a destination for indie gamers, let's, let's actually push this.
2: I think, I think it's a great idea, personally. I mean, it's kind of like the whole what you were saying with pledging, you know, people get to put their votes in for this game, and bam, it shows up on Steam and they download it.
1: Yeah, and they don't have to, uh, and they don't have to spend yeah. any money either. So you can support a game without actually, uh, getting things. Although some of the things, like, uh, Shell was saying, some of the clever things that they give away is pretty neat. Like, uh, usually, Shell, at the top tier, at the very top tier, you get, um, you might get dinner with the developers or you might get your name or your profile in the game or something like that, which is kind of yeah, fun. Yeah,
0: there's some really cool stuff. I mean,
1: I mean, how else would you get that? It's not, it's not like Activision is going to put you into World of Warcraft yes. or something.
0: <laughs> I know the, uh, the Broken uh, Sword. Stuff. Some of the perks for the Broken Sword, um, uh, project, I think that was on Kickstarter, wasn't it? Some of the mm. things on there were really cool. I can't remember any of them now, obviously, but some of them were really cool. There was like artwork and t-shirts, you yeah, know, that, that's boring. There were some cool stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I saw um Nate actually, um I've I've never contributed to a Kickstarter campaign, but I know Nate has mm-hmm. and he uh and I said, Well why did you you know, why did you pony up the money for this Kickstarter campaign? You know, what what was the thing? And he was like Well, number one, he supported the he supported the project, but also he wanted to pledge high enough to get to the cool tier where he got like artwork yeah. and stuff that yeah
0: oh i remember the thing the uh the the broken sword thing they they had a kind of mock-up of a trunk because i don't know if you know the broken sword games but they go sort of all over the world so in a jet setting and it's like an Mm old-fashioned um like steam trunk that you get on a sort of um you know like on the titanic or something with all the luggage labels on it from all over the place and that's got all the all the perk stuff in it, like all the art and the game and stuff, and they're gonna like make a trunk. How cool is that? It's awesome.
1: Uh, it probably has, it does have stickers all around it from where the trunk Yeah, like quote, unquote, Egypt
0: and Paris <laughs> and stuff like that, and all sort of aged and stuff. I thought that was really cool. That's pretty,
1: that's pretty awesome. There's real art to doing a good Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, I think there is. <laughs> um, so, well, on that note, um, Shelly, you actually have a a friend who's doing a Kickstarter campaign uh, for a game called uh, Cardinal Quest 2, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. My friend, Rory O'Sullivan, um, his his developer name is Random9. And, um, yeah, he's taken over developing the sequel for Cardinal Quest. Um, which is a roguelike game, which is a term I'd never heard of before.
1: Uh, oh, if only Chris Richards was here, Rogue is his favorite game. And rogue a roguelike game is basically a game where you... Um, the original Rogue was an ASCII title, so it was all ASCII yeah. graphics, and you moved you move this little smiley face around this dungeon, and you just kept going deeper and deeper, and it was basically to try to see how, how long you could live and fight monsters and stuff. It was actually really fun. Um, we used to... <laughs> I don't know if we still do. Well, I, I don't want to interrupt you any anymore, Shella, but if we, let me just check. I think we used to. Chris Richards used to have where you could download Rogue from his subscription. Uh, yep. It's still, it's, it's still there. So if you go to uh, gamingstreet.com and you click on our staff yeah. page and you go down to Chris Richards, um, you can download a copy of Rogue, um, free from us. So. So do that and then Shelly, you'll know what a roguelike game yeah.
0: is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd never, I'd heard of rogue, but I'd never heard of the, the term that is, like sort of, you know, created this kind of sub-genre. Um, so anyway, yeah, it looks kind of old school, um, sort of top-down 2D dungeon crawler thing. And I had a, I had a play on both of them actually and got, and got stuck just playing it. Yeah, it's quite sort of addictive and cool. And, um, yeah, he's got, he's, on indiegogo.com forward slash cardinal quest two and I think he's aiming for nineteen and a half thousand pounds to add more you know like um completely upgrade the artwork and um do the music and add more stuff just do more That's cool. uh, he's, not
1: really, he's not really asking. he's not really asking for that no, much um, No
0: but I think it's quite a small game. From from when I went um digging around on the on the net, um, I found some sort of forum posts and stuff, it seems like it was quite popular. Lots of people saying, "Oh yeah, I love love this game," and um, so yeah. Hopefully, he'll meet his target. Well,
1: good well, good, good luck to him. His uh, also, um, you can also get to his. Um, um funding campaign through our industry happenings page. He's, he's, uh, he's on the industry happenings page. And given when this show is going to run, uh, he'll probably still be there. Um, so, uh, you can probably click there and look at it. Uh, otherwise it's searchable. But my guess is that if you're listening to this show and you go to our industry happenings page, you know, after you get done downloading Rogue, <laughs> um, you, you can go there and you can check out his, um, you can check out his, uh, thing right there. So that's cool. Um, yeah, he's got an interesting story. He was actually working for other indie developers, and I guess he decided he wanted to be truly indie. He's gone out completely on his own. He's gone rogue. (laughs) He's gone rogue. That's hilarious. So well, good luck to him. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll have we'll have to ch- we'll have to check that out. So, um, but Billy, his his story isn't really is. I mean, it's unique and it's fun. But I mean, uh, we're seeing more and more. I mean, being an independent gamer, the games that you look at, uh, Billy, the ones that you review on your Time Waster, are they mostly made by studios, or would they? Would you say that they're mostly made by like one or two guys in a basement? Have we gotten back to that thing where it's one or two guys in a basement are actually making the 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 Cool stuff or do they actually form Studios and and well
2: occasionally I mean you do like with this last review I did or um, Symphony you know they have Their own little studio empty clip Where they Mm -hmm. developed it and they had you know a teamwork On it but I mean whenever you especially when you get Into the phone games Or like Mm -hmm. just the browser games kind of like Flash games you know all that jazz It's just a couple guys, you know, sitting down, writing code, and doing graphics, and that's all it really takes to make indie games anymore, which is great because that means there's more of an abundance of them.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, So... Uh, well, Shelley, that kind of sounds like I don't know. Did did uh I, I know we were following Dave Tucker's exploits for a mm. while and how he was going to make a game? Did, did he give up on his gaming gaming creation efforts? Because it sounds like now it would be a good time for him to to do it. He could do it as a as an independent developer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's given up. I think work has taken over his <laughs> life. <laughs> he can't even make it onto the gin lounge, can he? Cause-
1: I know, we never seen him anymore. He, he's actually
0: working with... His team is now on the west coast of the States. So he's working in the UK with people who are on west coast America. So, yeah, oh, wow. he might still be working. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Well, tell him we said hi. Yeah. And, uh, and tell him we, we want to see him I get know. his indie game off the ground. Uh, we wanted to be like... Wanted to say, hey, it started right here at the Gin Lounge. If
2: he doesn't want to write his own code, something that's awesome, and I don't know if we've ever talked about it on Gin, is you can find a few different programs specifically designed towards indie developers, like one of them's called Stencil. Okay. And you just – you download it. You don't really have to know code. You just – you spend a couple days kind of getting familiar with it, and it has – Like, you know, placeholder graphics for you and everything, so you can really sit down and try to develop a game how you want it to be.
0: Okay. And then
2: later on, you know, go in when you have more time, update the graphics, maybe, you know, edit stuff here or there. And it even comes with, like, this really cool feature where you can export it, and it'll go directly onto the Google Market.
1: That's actually a really good point, Billy. Thank you for bringing that up. We did a lounge a gin lounge with another company that was doing that where they came and talked to us called Game Salad, where it was sort of the same type of thing where you sort of learn the game salad interface and then you can make your game so that that's pretty cool. You don't have to actually learn how to pro- i guess you have to learn their interface, but you do but it's much easier than learning how to you know program in in c yeah. <laughs> so interesting so let me let me ask and then uh, and then i guess the final piece to this is that some companies just want to stay indie i mean i mean look what happened to you know i hate to talk bad about them but look what happened to popcap as soon as they got absorbed by ea now now we're seeing studios closed and and Billy, you were saying before the show that their um, their innovations kind of down. yeah, it's
2: mostly you know like seek and find and crossword puzzle games and word searches. I mean that's really all you see from them anymore, as compared to like you know cool casual games they used to make like Chuzzle and Plants vs Zombies.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, you you almost you almost want to you almost want to ask if Plants vs Zombies was like their. Their their big hit, you know. <laughs> it was. I mean, let's be
2: honest. It really was their big hit, and that's. I think that's why they got absorbed into EA. EA was like, well, we've got to have that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to call them a one hit wonder. They've had other games that have been good and stuff. But but, but vs Zombies like almost defined that whole genre. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, it'd be interesting to see what they come out with because now they're part of EA. It's sort of against them to. to to go out on a limb and come out with come out with something like that. They might you know? as well know.
2: Plants vs. Zombies 2, 3, 4, and Modern Warfare 5 <laughs> while they're at it.
1: Right, yeah, Plants vs. Zombies and, you know, the terrorists take over and you've got to shoot them. Exact, up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, so well, let me ask you for a final question. Um, Shella, we'll, we'll start with you. So I guess, um, do you think that the current developments in the indie game market are a good thing? And do you think that we're going to see... Uh, is this a trend that's going to continue or, or is this sort of just a, a fluke based on a lot of factors like the economy and things like that or do you think this is something that is actually going to thrive and and maybe a year from now the market's going to look a lot different because of the indie games
0: who's quite a lot of questions there john i know a lot of
1: i don't know i'm so, I'm so bad at that my final question <laughs> okay
0: your final questions uh I, I
1: just answer any part of it that okay. you want and ignore the rest of it. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> kind of like a conveyor belt of you know cuddly toy toaster. I just I'll answer the ones I can remember. Oh <laughs> uh, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so the the first question I think was, do I like it? Yeah, I think it, I mean I think it's great um, that there is this kind of vent. I mean it's so needed because. I'm always the first one to say that I'm sick of space marines and, you know, the domination of the FPS and, um, you know, just obsession with big guns and killing stuff.
1: It wouldn't be a show if you didn't mention
0: that. (laughs) Exactly. So I've got that in. So. (laughs) So, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see. Beautiful games like Limbo, and then there's things like Journey, which I bring up quite often when we talk about indie games. And, um, because I don't play stuff on my PC, because I work on my PC and then I go away from it. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, I don't get to see a lot of the stuff that Billy sees, but, um, I've noticed that, um, in terms of consoles and indie gaming, the, playstation sony is definitely um where it's at compared to um uh, the xbox uh, there's some really interesting stuff coming through on there and um i can't remember any other of your other questions oh will it change the will we see a change in the whole landscape um um i think i think it's all kind of um this kind of snowball, this big snowball of indie games because there's so many different platforms now that people are playing games on. Um I just had on um VC Radio 4 this this week on the Today programme, you I think it was the launch of the PlayStation um, slim and, you know, going, is this the end of console games? Is this all they can come up with sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think kind of misunderstood um, the <laughs> industry a little bit. But, you know, there's tablets and smartphones and then there's like the thing that's in between a smartphone and a tablet. And then there's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> people that have got stupid phones and there's laptops and, you know, there's so much so much scope for indie gamers to reach different markets that um, yeah, I think we are going to see more of it. And then, you know, with the crowdfunding sites, it's just makes it even more possible. Um, the only thing I worry about is uh, you said, you know, you get, you've had 50 press releases that are about, you know, my games mm-hmm. needs crowdfunding, please help. that you know that the sort of games media gets crowdfunding fatigue <laughs> like you know and um, doesn't want to cover these things or help them you know find their voice or the
1: or the, or the gamers or the players get tired of constantly being asked yeah, for money exactly. too i mean that can happen i think
0: there is a danger of that um so yeah
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, of all the things you said, um, it just reminds me of one time back when Jin was starting uh, like 14 years ago. We had lunch with the then president of the um, ESA, um, w- uh, which was uh, Doug Lowenstein. And he told us, look, what's going to happen in this industry is that basically it's going to come down where there's there's – Maybe five publishers and they own everything. Um, and that seemed to be in, in, at that time, that seemed to way, be the way the market was going, actually. And, and, I, and that was kind of like an interesting prediction. And now it's, it seems to be moving completely in the opposite direction. But, um, it's interesting to see how that cycle goes. But Billy, I don't want to take, I don't want to take your thunder. So you're, you're the one that's, closest to the ground on the indie games. I won't ask you if you like them because I'm sure you do. I mean, you've, you've said as much. But um so where do you think this so your question I guess is, you know, where do you think this is going? Is this going to is this really going to change things or is this, you know, a flash in the pan a trend that next year we're going to be like, what happened to all those indie games?
2: <laughs> I think indie games are really going to stick around and stay. I don't think that the Kickstarter, you know, the kind of, you know, pay to fund the game kind of thing will be around for too long because after a while it will get old and people will be less willing to say, well, of course I'll drop, you know, 20 or $30 here to see this game get made. But with yeah. the indie titles still going on, I think it'll be interesting to see if we see publishers that sm- – small publishers that come into existence just to support indie games instead of like how EA is where – they kind of just, you know, absorb into them and then you never hear from them again.
1: <laughs> They've
2: joined the mothership and they go yeah, away. Exactly. So like
1: an indie Yeah. Like a, a bona fide indie publisher that support that's, you know, gives some support to their indie indie uh developers. Yeah, exactly.
2: Almost like I I guess a comparison would be like, you know, like a hometown stores as compared to, you know, your Walmarts. You know, they give they try to give more support to the community and everything like that. And ultimately, aren't going to cause the death of the uh, the whole entire game industry, like some big companies probably will. <laughs> it's interesting.
1: All right. Well, we'll have to see, um, guys, uh, our, thank you for joining me today. Um, for our listeners out there, let us know what you think. Uh, gin lounge at game Let us know about your crowdfunding project because everybody else does. Um, <laughs> and, um, let's see what else you can join us on Facebook at, uh, com slash game industry. Uh, we're on Google plus and we are, uh, in on Twitter at Gin Lounge. So join us all those places. And uh, William and Shella, thank you for joining me today. Appreciate you guys coming today. Welcome. No problem. And uh, until next time, we're uh, GameIndustry.com, keeping the eye in indie. And as of yet, we've ne- we've never actually done a crowdfunding project, but I don't know, it might be time to start one. Billy, start building a trunk to <laughs> give the people, <laughs> who give us who give us I'm enough a money. <laughs> EA
2: sucks logo on the back.
1: You can do anything you want. That'll be fine. All right. Well, I'll talk to both of you guys next time right here at the Gin Lounge. Take care, everyone.